Hello and welcome to MTG Profits. This is our 10th episode. Woohoo! Uh, that's right. So I've uh, been at it for 10 solid weeks now. And um, we, uh, this is our uh, Magic the Gathering podcast, uh, primarily geared towards uh, uh, making you money, uh, profiting off your cards that you both buy and sell. We try to get some interesting news in there. And uh, today we have actually something special. We've got a special guest today. Uh, we're going to be joined by Travis. What's up? <laughs> and as hey, per usual, we've got Andy here on the line. And, I'm uh, here as well. That's right. This is exciting. I mean, our 10th episode, that's been, you know, what, I guess three months of recording or so. and uh, seems, seems about right. Yeah, seems we're glad everyone has uh, stuck with us. And as always, you know, more fun to come. But uh, I think we're, we're excited to, to have Travis with us today and uh, talk to him about some magic. That's right. That's right. One thing I wanted to mention is that uh, for those of you that haven't caught on yet, we try to make the podcast available every thursday so uh, if you're curious as to when to look for that drop to drop it's uh, typically on thursday so yeah. uh new episode every thursday tune in and and listen up that's right that's right so today we've got uh i guess the uh the the big uh well did you want to start with the news andy first or did you want to uh talk with travis a little bit more and do some interview questions what are you your know, thoughts let's talk with travis to kind of bring him into everything and, and kind of introduce him to everybody and and uh you know get kind of uh, uh, uh his take on magic and some 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 background and some questions and then we can can dive into the news as a as a group and uh Excellent. you know get into our uh, picks of the week so i guess uh, let's get a little bit of background first maybe uh Travis, tell us a little bit about how you got into Magic and uh, sort of when you started playing and that kind of stuff, because that's always a little bit interesting. Everybody's got their story to tell. Sure. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Glad to be here. Yay, Travis. Um, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I, um, I first was introduced to Magic when I was about eight years old, um, and this was like during the Mirage block. So I uh, had a good friend who had an older brother who was huge into it. You know, I didn't really play, but he would let us dig through his commons and his bulk cards. And, I, you know, I'd pick out cards and just kind of look at those. And I was always kind of, you know, like fascinated by the artwork and, and the game as a whole. And then I would say I really started learning the rules and playing the game a few years later. I guess that'd be like with the Mercadian Mass Block. So what was that? Okay. Like 1999 is 2000-ish. Oh, sounds uh, about right. Something uh, somewhere, like that. Yeah. Somewhere in that in that area. So um, started really playing there and learning the game. And then I'd say I got um, started to get kind of competitive with it, taking it a little bit more seriously around the Lorwyn Block. So I guess about five, six years after that. Yeah, that was so, a fun so. time in Magic. I yeah, that, that I think still, yeah. that whole block holds a special place in my heart. That's a, a good block. Yeah, I agree. It was a, that was a fun time in Magic. It really, like I look back and with uh, fond memories on that block in particular. Uh, there are some really good ones and that's a standout one to me. Yeah, I think they really, it was such a lighter tone back in, in that bo block with the, the Kithkin and the Goblins and... Uh, 
uh, the Giants, and uh, just, I don't know, just a lot more, seemed more upbeat, I guess. The mechanics seemed fun. They did a good job with design. The drafting was fun. You know, the tribal themes. They, they did a really, it was really tight. There were cards that, it, you know, from that block that we still play today. So there were, you know, some evergreen cards that really stood the test of time. But it, it was really a, a really pretty solid magic time. Yeah. So, so after Mercadian Mass, do you did you still continue on with Magic after that, Travis, or did you take any breaks? Or yeah, I mean, I I would play casual, you know, like a kitchen table Magic, I mm-hmm. guess is what you'd call it. So I'd make decks, play with friends, but started. I would say Lorwyn is when I started going to the uh, the local game store and really, you know, seeing oh man, you know, there are some good decks out there and there are some good players and this is something that I want to you know, kind of get really get into, really dive into, and kind of explore all the things that the game had to offer. I guess what was, like, your experience, you know, going to the game stores and that? Did you have, like, friends that you went and you, you played with, or did you just kind of show up and, you know, find a group, or how, how did that work out for you? It, it, it was a, a mix of both. Um, okay. I'd go occasionally with some friends, and you know, some of them would get into it a little more and then, you know, make new friends once you're there and and start to, you know, meet up outside of that. Uh, so, yeah, so it was kind of a mix of both, mix of both worlds. I know it's it's sort of a different time, too. And when uh, I know when I started, pretty much Andy, too, it seemed we started quite a bit earlier back in the revised time. So it was, a, I want to say, right. like, like mid 90s, there were no. There were no uh, venues to play the game. You know, it was all kitchen table all the time. Yep. You know, there was yep. no competitive scene. I remember those old scry magazines to, you know, see the, you know, how expensive the cards were. And, <laughs> you know, I, I remember it was a, it was sort of a, a different experience. It was, there was no formalized play groups. There was no Wizards no. Play Network. And, None of that. You know, and I remember even like finding rulings on exactly how the stack worked and stuff. I don't know how many times. You know, we'd get into, you know, little aggravated arguments about how that stuff worked because it was not something that was clear in the instructions in that little rule book that yep, came right. in your starter deck from your revised <laughs> pack. So, so it was, uh, it was uh, in, in a way, I sort of envy, you know, the, the newer players that have that sort of experience, but um, as far as, like, more organized play. Yeah, uh, it was just the, you know, a different time. Do you guys remember... Did you ever see the old Magic the Gathering commercials that were on in those times? They got um, like Jim Henson oh, Studios yeah. to make the commercials. Yes. They were amazing. Just yeah. amazing. Funny stuff. Yeah. It, it wasn't something – I remember even at one point they were, you know, thinking about making a movie or something like that too. And, you know, that, that sort of died on the vine. Every once in a while, they dabble in the idea of trying to branch out a little bit, <laughs> mostly with pretty pretty epic flops. But right, <laughs> yeah, it seems all the I don't know a lot of the related kind of media and things with with magic was just just not good. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the the yeah, books come to mind. <laughs> oh God, me. it's such so awful, so awful those books. Well, they were so would, bad they had to give them away. They would give them away in the fat packs. Yeah, yeah, the Lorwyn fat packs. If you got, you know, all four in that block, you got the whole set of books. I remember that very distinctly. Yeah, oh. they they did that for quite some time. It seems to me they would have like, what was it like five packs, a book, and um, 
and the little box. Man, those those books were some awful, awful reads. <laughs> <laughs> I remember trying to read one and I, I couldn't finish it. I was like, this is terrible. You know, it's just... a rare book that I can't finish in. And I will say, like, some of those magic books like are unreadable. So they're just just god awful things. Which is a shame because I remember uh, at around the same time, Wizards bought um, TSR. Mm-hmm. So before right. Hasbro owned Wizards, Wizards bought TSR. That's when they gained the rights to all the Dungeons and Dragons stuff. And and you would think they would have some authors that could write some books. You know, at the time they were turning <laughs> out decent books. I, I don't know where they. I don't know where they went so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. Oh yeah, that tank's bad. Yeah, it's like well. Oh gosh, that was, that was some bad stuff. But uh, yeah, so basically, you started a, a couple of years, I guess, into sort of organized play, realistically, and and uh, now have you been playing consistently ever since, or were you, did you have like breaks in the middle there, or, which is relatively typical? I I played, I would say, fairly consistently up until the second Zendikar block, um, okay. and then I kind of stepped away and moved over to Netrunner, and that game really kind of took up my time and then netrunner i don't know if you guys are aware but it's pretty much died so yeah they quit, back uh, they, they quit making that and i'm not sure what the details are with that Is, did they lose the that. licensing or um yeah some some issue with the licensing and wanting more money for the license that they just weren't willing to pay and and that was it result, that was it yeah wow. a, that was also another richard garfield game yep Yep. Yeah, at least originally. Yeah, Richard Garfield was behind both Magic and uh, the Netrunner as well. Wow. Yeah. You know, I still regret uh, not fully playing that or getting into it. I know, Travis, you tried to teach me a couple times, and I literally still have all the cards sitting in my closet and still uh, still wish I had I'd played more, or it's, really at all. <laughs> it, it's a phenomenal game. It's a tough game to, I think... Uh, to like click for a lot of people it takes mm-hmm. it takes you know five or six full games to really say okay now i get it but once once you do it's it's a phenomenal game there's nothing else like it ah oh, it's good it's a shame it's it's a shame you hate to see good things go mm-hmm. you know it's, it's kind of sad so speaking of seeing good things go the um well actually i, I guess we should probably uh do we want to continue on with some news, or did we want to ask a few more questions? I know Andy, you might got, have had a few. We certainly got time for for some more questions. I mean, um, before, we, before we bust into some some news. Um, I know uh, Andy was hoping to find out the size of your uh, collection. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess you know that that's, is a question. That's a little because, personal, but uh, <laughs> uh, well, you know, we we dive deep into this uh, <laughs> into all details here. Uh, but I, it does come to mind, you know, along those lines, because I, I think, Travis, you had you had kind of gotten out of Magic, and you had sold cards and things, and then you came back. So Yes, was that yes. Like that? So, uh, there was a time when my collection was en- enough of those long boxes to completely fill under my bed in my entire closet. Um, and when I sold out of Magic, I had enough cards to buy a car. So... Wow, you had been go- you went into it hard then at a pretty oh, early age. Oh yeah, I mean every card I ever got or traded for, I you know held on to. I I never gave them away, and um, yeah, I just kept amassing cards. And as people kind of dropped out of the game, they would give me their cards and their collections, and so I just 
built and built. But yeah, I it was it was a substantial amount. Um, I I don't recall an exact dollar amount, but basically anything worth more than a dollar I sold off. Um, and so now that I'm getting back into Magic, I still have a few good boxes of commons, and so I play a lot of Pauper now, okay. um, which is which is a lot of fun actually. I, I'm it really is. enjoying it's that. It's a very good format. Um, yeah. But I haven't really pursued a lot of uh, going out and buying packs or or specific cards. I I mostly play Pauper and limited. So anything okay. I have now is small limited collection basically. Geared toward that. It, yeah. It's funny because I think part of the problem is that it's challenging to get back into it after a hiatus because the frequency of the release schedule is so aggressive. And, it, you know, just by the time you start getting comfortable and learning your cards again, they're starting to rotate now. And it, it really takes a dedicated player to sort of maintain like an active standard you know competitive perspective deck. Yeah. yeah right and that's that's been super difficult for me getting back into the game is you know i've missed a few sets and all these new keywords that i now have to remember and these you know cards that everyone else at the table knows and it's like i i don't know what, what like, this i've never seen is, this before yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah. it just sometimes i see these cards at the local game store that you know i sold for maybe 40 or 50 dollars going for 100 to 200 dollars and i'm thinking wow yeah, if I could have held on for two more years, three more years. What? Yeah. What would have happened? Yeah, it's a shame, especially like a lot of those like revised dual lands and things. Those are cards that a lot of us owned, you mm-hmm. know, at one point, and they were they're like the currency of Magic. It's they're easy, they're relatively liquid, they're easy to buy and sell. But man, you look back and you think, holy cow! <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is crazy how all these old cards, the prices have just skyrocketed on them. Yeah, just really things you wouldn't think would that would be worth money are are now worth something. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I I was actually looking through my cards the other day and I found a playset of Celestial Colonnades that I somehow Ooh. slipped. And you know, ah. I I remember picking those up for two or three dollars when they oh, first yep. came out. Wow, yep. I uh, yeah. off chance looked them up and they're what eighty or ninety or something ridiculous. They're yeah. really it's high. Ridiculous. About sixty, I think. Uh, last I remember. Recall. Okay. Yeah. It might yeah. be time to instantly dump them. Well, yeah, that's yeah, what that's, that's, uh, well, we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> I did dump time one of those lately. In. Yeah, I sold one a couple. I don't know, about a month ago or so for, I don't know, around sixty. I think. Wow, yeah. that's great. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, signed copy. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but speaking of like uh, selling cards and stuff, I mean, so you you got rid of your collection. How did you do it? Like, was there a specific like Star City Games, or how how did you dispose of everything? So I um I had a good buddy of mine who was opening up a game store. Uh, he had he had owned a comic book store and was basically closing it down rebranding and opening it up as a game store and so he was looking for inventory to Uh to basically stock his store and so he and i worked out a deal and and uh he gave me you know not msrp for a lot of these things but but you know he gave me a fair price on them and it helped him out helped me out so it was a it was a good deal nice so that actually worked out really well for you because it is a challenge to uh move cards especially in these low dollar amounts these one to two dollar ranges so it's nice if you could say hey what do you 
what do you say? I sell you my entire collection. <laughs> right. And he had a couple of new employees who really didn't have much to do besides look through boxes of cards and pull out, you know, nice. $2 cards, $3 cards, that sort of thing. So it was really lucky timing, really fortunate. Yeah, it's great. It's great. So how's he doing now with his, uh, is, is he uh, still in business? Is he still functioning? You want to? Oh yeah. His, his store is, is thriving. It's doing great. It's, uh, up in Winchester, Virginia. I don't know what it's called now. I don't. I never caught the new name of it, but it's uh, it's doing real well. Doing real well. Oh, excellent. Oh, oh good. very good. Hmm. Yeah, that's probably a, a a topic of discussion for a future podcasts or even a little now. Like, just how, how do you how would you go about selling a collection? You know, we talk about individual cards and things like that, but you know, if you've got boxes upon boxes, what are you gonna do? You know, it's a really tough thing. You end up having to buy list all the cards, and you really sort of almost have to sit down in front of somebody at, like, a GP and just dump out all the good cards that you've got, and they just they just throw them into little piles. You know, they take yeah. your cards that are worth, like, two bucks and put them in the 10-cent pile, and, you know, all your cards that are worth five bucks go into the 50-cent pile, and, mm-hmm. and you know, they, they, they pull all that out in that sort of fashion. And before you know it, you've got stacks of cards, and they say, all right, we'll give you... You know, four hundred dollars, and you, you know it's that's the only way to really move them quick. Mm-hmm. Other than that, it's like maybe Craigslist or something like that. But yeah, yeah, Craigslist or maybe eBay, just bulk yeah. collections. Sometimes you see those sell, but yeah, yeah it's tough I almost yeah, I think it's challenging. I think almost Craigslist is better than eBay, quite simply because on eBay people are sort of trained not to uh, to be skeptical. I would say of these collections, which sure. you know I think is reasonable because mm-hmm. you'll see some of these things and you're like, oh, I don't know what that's worth, and you know, so I I think it's almost easier just to unload them in, in front of a person. Yeah, right. You, yeah, right. I guess you're you're always gonna be you know, you're never gonna get the actual cost of. Oh heck no! You know, uh, if you can get like thirty percent of the value of the cards, you're probably uh, doing well. Mm. It reminds me too, because I was looking at uh, a Craigslist the other day just for magic cards for sale, and this guy had his uh, his whole list of cards, and he had I can't remember now what what uh, site he had them all listed on, but he had some uh, sort of collection site where he had his whole whole list, and you know there were some decent cards in there. There was um, you know um, uh, like a Tolarian Academy and uh, Academy Rector, and you know a couple other older cards, a couple newer cards. And the prices he had listed, I mean, some were were kind of market price, fair price, but some were actually more than market price. <laughs> yeah, people, people are sort of funny about that like, now. What? You know, you, you don't know? go to Craigslist to get a deal anymore. It's not like, oh, I found this in grandma's closet, you know. <laughs> I don't know what these cards are worth. But mm-hmm. you never, those those days are gone, you know. it's uh, Everybody sort of knows the value of the cards now, and, yeah. and it's funny, but uh, he's never going to get that, obviously. Well, yeah, so that's funny. what I was thinking right off the bat. I'm like, why would I pay, you know, what you're you're charging, which is market price, when you know I can get it exactly the same or potentially cheaper? Um, yeah, he'll be sitting on those cards forever. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make much sense unless you're going to give it a little bit of a deal. Yeah, absolutely. I know one thing too. Uh, you mentioned before, Travis, about we were in like some of our past episodes. We've kind of railed a little bit about like um, like the local game stores and how Wizards right. has done all sorts of kind of changes lately with their distribution and how they're selling things and how that's impacted the the local game stores. 
what do you think about all these these changes and where's that going to lead these game stores um that's you know it, it's it's tough to say it's wizards right now has the premier gaming product right any game store you go into they carry magic and that's kind of their their front runner and i think wizards um knows that and they know that they can you know no game store is going to survive unless they carry magic the gathering um and they carry a lot of it and so they kind of uh they have these stores in a in a tight spot where um you know they if the stores don't carry it, they're not going to do well, but the stores have to carry it, and, and Wizards can uh, charge what they want, and they can offer what they want, um, and they can really strong-arm these stores. And it's kind of you know, it's kind of disheartening to see at times, because uh, I know a few people who own game stores, and it's, you know, the, the amount of money that they're bringing in from the game itself is not that big, and the amount of uh, inventory or store space that has to be taken up by this game now granted it's a card game it's not like a giant board game that takes up a ton Mm -hmm. of shelf space but they still have to you know they have to keep all of these singles and all of these trade-ins and all these things because otherwise the you know people will will find those cards elsewhere um and then you see these things like the you guys mentioned before you know direct selling to amazon um and and you know wizards can do that and they know that game stores will continue to carry their product because they have to so it's it's interesting to see. Yeah, I think it's kind of a shame. Uh, they seem to really be almost uh, turning their nose up at the local game store sort of community as a whole. The sort of, I guess, foundation of, I would say, a lot of the success that Wizards has had with Magic has sort of been born on the backs of some of these local game stores. You know, right. it sort of gives people a place to play. It gives, you know, Wizards a venue with which to move their product. And yeah. um, and I, I think they should realistically embrace the model that has made the game what it is today and not really take a giant steaming turd on it. it you, know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, instead of having, you know, products like um, Master's products, you know, printed and, and available in Walmart and Target and... You know, they they should have these as local game store exclusive items or things of that nature. Right. And you you see this some, too, with the the players themselves. Um, I mean, do you remember, did you guys ever sign up for, I forgot what their... um, Oh, Player Rewards. Yeah, the Player Rewards. rewards. And you would get these full art, awesome cards in the mail every once in a while. And and now you see, you know, that's gone. Um, I feel like a lot of the incentives for going to like a pre-release event, those yes. ones are no they, longer there. They've been dramatically um, diminished. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and I mean, this this upcoming master set, how much are they they charging for that? It's, it's uh, MSRP is going to be three hundred and thirty-four dollars, I believe. Yeah, three, right, right, yeah. and it, it doesn't cost them any more to make that set than it does any other set. So no, no. In fact, it'll probably be cheaper because they'll probably be still printed on the same Pringle paper that they've been using recently. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. So. <laughs> they didn't have to hire new art artists or get new artwork or anything like that. Yeah. So. Yeah. No R and D costs. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it'll yeah. be uh, it'll be curious to see. I um, what are what, so uh, I guess MSRP on that product will be um, in the three thirties. Uh, I think, uh, I guess we should probably introduce the product. It's the, it's the big news item for the day. And 
I yeah, guess, we uh, keep touching yeah. on. We could we could chat some more with Travis, <laughs> I guess. But uh, yeah, yeah, let's let's dive into it so, then. then. So yeah, I guess the the big news this week, which was, I guess, teased over the weekend, I think, on some Twitters and things like that. Um, and then Wizards finally came out on their site uh, Monday and actually fully announced it was the Ultimate Masters set. Yeah, I even find the name funny, Ultimate Masters. <laughs> you know, Ultimate. They say it'll be the final Masters set. You know, and I, I think they should put a little asterisk by that until you know, <laughs> and it should say until we need to print more money. <laughs> <laughs> so. It's kind of funny the uh, the you know the final they're just like oh we're done with printing core sets uh, oh core sets are back core sets are back <laughs> so uh, I, they should probably put a little asterisk says uh, master sets are over for 2018 and yeah until the next one <laughs> until yeah. 2019 so funny but um, so I guess the whole deal with this is it's going to be a 24 pack uh, box. And um, I guess the, the what makes this special is they're going to put a, a quote-unquote box topper, which will be a, another random card from within the set, exactly. And it'll be full art, you know, a sort of premium sought-after product. And, um, you know, these are, these are going to be a lot of high-dollar cards. But unfortunately, some, some low-dollar cards, you, you pray you don't get one of those in one of your boxes. But... Um, the funny thing about it is, uh, even though it's got such a really high MSRP, I, I I really think they'll probably sell a whole lot of these boxes. You know, I, I don't know if I like that direction, but uh, you can't blame them for doing it just because it's, you know. And I want to say, uh, didn't Mark Rosewater say recently in his uh, on his on his um, his little Twitter feed that. Uh, if uh, as long as we keep buying the products, they'll keep making them. Yeah. So uh, I, I think, sure. uh, you know, because they've they've tested the water now with several expensive premium products. Even you know, even going back a little bit to Modern Masters 2013, you know, at seven dollars a booster, you know, that oh. was the first time they yeah. that was the first time they sort of altered the price, and then they said, well, they they got the the player base gobbled that up. Let's uh let's churn out some more and um. So then we had, you know, 2015, 2017, you know, people lapped it up. Eternal Masters, you know, went crazy on that. And uh, they, they, they seem to keep, uh, you know, having MSRPs at $10 a pack. So why not uh, $14 a pack? Yeah, sure. Why, why not? If people keep buying it, uh, it would almost make bad business sense not to make them. But... Um, you know, I, I don't know if I am a fan of these box toppers quite simply because it almost feels like Wizards is trying to sell singles to the players, you know. Yeah. I, I think it's sort of one of those slippery slope kind of problems where, you know, the moment they start selling singles, they start, you know, directly manipulating the secondary market in ways that um, I think may have uh, some strange unforeseen consequences. I think they're aware of that, and I think they're they're dabbling slowly. But um, so you think maybe kind of experimenting and I think so. Going to happen. I think they're attempting to do it carefully by having them be masked packs. But um, but I think uh, I think it'll be probably uh, successful, even though I don't really like the direction that it's going in. You know, yes. look at the other. What was the other one they just released? The uh, Guilds of Ravnica Masters yep. pack, and you know they sold out in what I think a day of all of those. And those were, gosh, those were expensive booster boxes too. And yeah, they were 
terrible. I mean, I mean the full art ones looked great, but uh, they were like eight special boosters and oh yeah, that's right. Sti- I, were st- standard yep. boosters in Guilds of Ravnica, mm-hmm. and I think they were charging two fifty a box, I believe. The uh, yeah, the sealed promo card or the box toppers is interesting. I don't know if you guys have seen um, on Reddit or some other sites, but I guess you can shine a light through the packaging and you can actually see what those toppers are. So, oh, wow. so they say really be careful on like a secondary market. You know, if someone's advertising a sealed topper, they've yeah. probably already it's looked been, at it and they know yeah. it's a it's a garbage one. So. Wow, that's a great move, Wizards. Really wow. Qu- great quality control there. Jeez. Holy cow. Mm-hmm. Good grief. I had not heard that. That's interesting. That seems like something you would have figured out before you released that. Exactly. <laughs> Some product testing here. Come on. Oh, or put put a insert card on either side of the, the topper. Yeah. Something or like that. Anything. Or just make it not here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like regular booster pack material. It seems like every time they change the booster packs, they screw something up. You know, they, they say, oh, we're, we're going to use it more environmentally friendly cardboard boxes. And then the cards come out all destroyed from, like, Modern Masters 2015. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Like, yep. oh, my gosh. You know. Or, and then they were resealable. They could be re-glued. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Even we were, um, what, when we were uh, drafting this that uh, two weekends ago or whatever it was, and, um, you know, opening up some packs of guilds. I think it was, it was either guilds or Abnoca or Dominera. And some of the cards were were backwards. It was like, how? Why are they yeah. backwards in the pack? It seems. Yeah. Uh, quality control. Oh. Is now, I've I've been the the beneficiary of some poor quality control before. Um, we've opened packs with multiple uh, Lilianas in the same pack. We're talking wow. four or five or six Lilianas. Wow. Oh, stacked in a box. So. Um, wow. You know, I have never Jeez. had that kind of luck. Yeah, that, that is phenomenal. That was that I've that never seen a good. box sell so fast as when someone opened that first pack. So, holy wow. cow, that is amazing. I've never seen such a thing. Yeah, it was. I don't know how it happened, but wow, it was that, crazy. That, that is neat. Yeah, you love that. You're like, oh, I'll, I'll take four Lilianas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good yeah. deal. <laughs> holy cow. Wow. That so, reminds uh, me of like uh, what was it? It was way back in gosh, was it Zendikar or whatever? Where they had there was supposedly like inserted cards. Oh buried treasure or priceless yeah, treasures. Yeah, called. it was like yeah. where you might get like cards from original original yeah. uh, power nine cards. Yeah. yeah. Right. Surplus cards, yeah. The original um yeah, the original I guess uh lottery card. Yeah. That was uh, those those were legit. I don't know anyone who pulled any of those. No, but, I never you know. <laughs> never know that either. But but apparently they were in there. Priceless yeah. treasures they were called. Yeah. 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 Interesting. It's funny. Uh, speaking of uh, lottery cards, I know that the moment they uh, released the news about these this Ultimate Masters, instantly on eBay, uh, you started seeing people flooding the market with their uh, masterpiece cards, their full art masterpieces. So it may uh, may almost be. Uh, a reasonable time to start looking at the masterpiece cards as potential purchase targets for then resale at a later time. 
So there's been some panic selling on some of those. Mm-hmm. So um, Everyone thinks they're going to be part of the Ultimate Masters. Well, I guess they've already listed the entire list of the Ultimate Masters, uh, at least the box topper. Yeah, I thought it was just the box topper so far. There's so um, 40 so, of those listed. Yeah, I think people are just afraid that they're they're starting to get a sense that this is just the tip of the iceberg and Wizards is all yeah. about printing full art cards and specialty cards and that maybe the masterpieces are not as unique as people had been hoping, at least when they had purchased them for investment purposes. So I think it's very dangerous whenever you see someone advertise a product as uh, an investable product or a collector's edition, mm-hmm. you know, like they are for some of this stuff like this master uh, ultimate masters, you know, mm-hmm. anytime you start seeing collector's edition and things and limited supply Red flags should immediately start going up where you, you should yeah. think of them almost as just the opposite. This is not a, coll- the, a collector's, uh, just the opposite. The beanie baby effect. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. They so, make tons uh, of money off these beanie babies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had a couple, uh, but they didn't. Uh, Did you really? <laughs> not, yeah, a girlfriend at the time, her mom, I think, she like bought a whole bunch of those things. So they had, oh, you know, like. Wow. 20 Beanie Babies or whatever. And I was like, wow, what are you going to do with all those things? Yeah, but, you know, thing. people went crazy. Yeah, I guess they always do. It's like whatever new fad comes out. It's but funny. I guess, too, like the, the box tapper ones. I mean, they are, they're nicer cards. I mean, there are no borders on them. You know, it's uh, taken Wizards forever to produce quality-looking cards. They look nicer, you yeah. know. Um, yeah. You know, whether that's worth it, I don't know, but... I think uh, there's always going to be a, 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 an interest in a, a premium chase-looking card, you know, for people to, to pimp out their commander deck or, you know, things of that nature. I think there's always a demand for that. You know, I think that... It, it builds up a lot of hype for the product, too. I mean, I remember when they first announced Mythic Rares mm-hmm. and how, how excited everyone was that, oh, these cards are going to be actually rare you might see one or two played you know and at your game store at night but you know the hype died down and and people realized what they were and and that was that yeah yeah i yep. think that's about right yep so what are your thoughts on the uh, ultimate masters uh andy travis you guys plan to buy a box of this or is this going to be uh, a, pa- a pass for you what are your thoughts I, yeah personally but- i i'm gonna pass i that's a lot of money for it is it's a good chunk cards. of change it's a good chunk of change and i'm a big fan of the master sets i love to draft i love cube drafting and and kind of mixing up outside of the you know the block draft but um for me that's that's a little steep um and and i just i can't justify it now if someone comes to me a friend of mine and says i really want to do you know one draft may i'll consider buying three packs but even that that's would, that a tough a one-time even, thing. Yeah. Even yeah. that's tough yeah. to swallow when it's like a fifty-dollar draft. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. <It's> like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> funny where because literally, like at fourteen dollars a pack plus prize support, mm-hmm. that's gonna be a fifty-dollar draft. Right. Yep. Y- you know, you're thinking, sitting there scratching your head, thinking, well, I could draft like four or five times for that. You know, but, is yeah. it gonna be that much better an experience? And I think the answer to that is a clear, obvious no. But um, yeah, I mean, I I agree with Travis on this one. I, I I'm I would pass on this as well. I mean, 
like you said, I mean, ultimately the price is, I think, just too high. I too mean, three thirty-five is very expensive, and that's MSRP, so it may actually yeah. be a little higher, especially at the LGS. Um, you know, we the box toppers are kind of a, you know, it's it's a nice little promotional thing, but um, you know, I'd be curious too to see what what are the other cards in this set. So there's two hundred fifty-four cards. What are the rest of them? Yeah, it's a good um, question. You know, we don't know yet. Uh, you know, I I think I pl- just sort of playing devil's advocate. I I think I'm actually on the opposite end of this on the opposite end of this argument for the simple fact that I think Wizards will probably not want to screw this up. Yeah. I I think they're probably going to print cards that are in demand in multiple formats, probably including Commander, even Popper. I think we'll see good uncommons. I think they're probably going to go like Masters 2017 quality, where mm-hmm. probably even a notch better. And then to top it off, they'll throw those box toppers on there. Yeah. And um, I think what we're going to see is they will print these a plenty. You know, probably not sure. iconic Masters level, but probably like Masters 2015 or Masters 2017 level, where they probably don't have a reprint run, but probably an original print run that is substantial. It says supplies are limited. Yeah, again, you got to really be careful with that. (laughs) With an asterisk. Yeah, with an asterisk is is right. But I I think I think I will pay close attention to these a a couple of weeks after release and see what they do on eBay. And if I can snatch them up for in the two, I want to say if I can snatch them up for two fifty to two sixty, I probably will buy a box or two, not to open, just to sit. And uh, with the express intent purpose of selling them within one to two years later, a minimum of one year. Because yeah. I think what will happen is you'll get a, a, a little bit of a, um, a bounce back on these. Because what will happen sure. is the price will tank, the hype will end, you know, a couple of weeks to a month in when everyone's already forgotten about it. And, um, and a couple of the eBay sellers and the distributors and the mass drops you know, crush the crush the price. Yeah. You know, like sports and more, they'll sell them. They'll make you know two dollars a profit per box. You mm-hmm. know, selling these things, sure. and um, that's when you want to buy when the when the price craters and the local game stores that have spent you know twenty twenty five thousand dollars on a hundred boxes oh, and they're, and they're sitting there thinking, I have got to unload these boxes. I cannot sit on them. Yeah. Because it ties up so much liquid capital for these LGSs, I think you will reach a a sort of nice price capitulation point, mm-hmm. and I don't think the stores are going to hoard them. I think it's too expensive to hoard for the same yeah, reason absolutely. that people won't want to buy them. Mm-hmm. And I and I actually think that if you could get in at the right price and be a little bit patient, I think because it's the first time a box topper has been done. And it's supposedly the last master set. Mm-hmm. And I think Wizards doesn't want to screw this up like they did Iconic and Masters 25. I actually suspect this, the cards are going to be pretty good. So if well, I, I, if we'll I can get it right, you know, yeah. if I can get in at the right price, and, and the price for me would probably be in the 250 You know, I might stretch to 259 yeah. or something. But um, I might do that just for the sake of, of flipping it later. I but it would this, you know, have to sit on it. Yeah, I would think this price would turn a lot of people off. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely it would. 
but they're but the funny thing too now is that they've said you know expressly this is the last master set yeah. you sort of get a funny you sort of get a funny um it sort of bookends things and you get people that just want to collect things to collect them and the first and the last tend to do pretty well the first especially and uh, this sort of has Got the it. first box topper yeah and the last masters so I don't know. I, I I'm a little bit like I, I agree. Said, I mean, those are some good. Yeah, a little bit on the devil's advocate yeah. side on that one, but um, not that I am fond of the extreme pricing. Uh, that yeah. is, and I am also not a fan of putting the box toppers in, but yeah. I'm also not averse to profiting from it if they do. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of yeah. like yeah. I don't smoke, nor do I recommend smoking, but I would own Philip Morris stuff. But you would sell uh, cigarettes. <laughs> I, I would. Uh, I, I would cards. own this. <laughs> like uh, I hear, there's uh, some magic cards that make a uh, good cigarette. <laughs> you know, for those for those who do pull a uh, one of the more rare or one of the more sought after box toppers. I mean, there are some really nice cards, and you guys have seen how much things like Judge promos go for. Like yes. a Judge promo Vindicate. Yeah. I mean, and if they're not going to get reprinted, especially not this edition or this style. You know, sky's the limit for how high or how much these cards could go for in the future. People do like to pimp their decks out, and uh, there's always a market for it. You're exactly right. Do you think this is these these reprinted cards here are going to drop the existing cards? Like, is it going to have a a significant effect on you know the existing Emrakul or? You know, know, I I don't think so. When the MSRP pack is so expensive. I, you know, I don't think it's going to destroy the value like other reprints do. You know, quite simply because in order to get them, you got to pay fifteen bucks a pack. Yeah, yeah. So it sort of limits the uh, the amount of drop that you're going to get. Because I tell you, if you buy the pack for fifteen bucks and you pop an Emrakul out there, the last thing you want to do is sell it for six bucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I I don't think it'll have as deleterious effect on the market as regular reprints do. So, and, and I think you... they're also, that's another reason why I think they're probably playing a little bit of uh, 4D chess with us a little bit as far as how much do they want to price this. Because I think they're paying close attention to the secondary market, mm-hmm. trying to figure out a way to make money on the secondary market without overtly saying, we want to sell you individual cards. Yeah. So I yeah. think they're being careful. I don't. They don't want to destroy that. It's like the golden goose. They don't want to kill it with, you know, by overfeeding it. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think this will be a set that people do buy a lot of but don't open in hopes of it appreciating in value in the future? I would imagine that would be the case. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I cannot – I would not sit here and have a $250 box or, you know, a $300 box. I would never open that box. I would – because the way my luck is, you know, <laughs> I'd open $80 worth of cards. So mm-hmm. it, I would never open the shrink rack on that bad boy. He would be occupying some shelf space. I guess you're you're guaranteed. Well, pretty much guaranteed one good card. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe <laughs> it'd be Probably. my luck that uh, that uh, I'd get the, the the full art version of uh, one of the cards. I'm, you know, oh god, I, I don't know. I, I have terrible luck. Terrible. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I will say that the the new art on some of them looks pretty good. Um. You know, a lot of good reprints here, too. I mean, Liliana of the Veil and... Snappy. Uh, Snapcaster, yeah. Yeah. Tarmy, Tarmogorf's on there. Tarmogorf is back. Um, Noble High Art. Yeah, I mean, good stuff. I mean, that's for sure. 
Yeah. Um, Dude, one other thing too I thought was kind of interesting, just just in the way they presented this, and I was just reading one of the Wizards articles, which just was kind of goes back to what we were talking about before, uh, and and to quote from the the Wizards site here. Uh, they said, we're sending the Master Series off in style. It deserves Ultimate Masters as a limited run. Premium set that is unique and collectible. We understand that it might not be for everyone, and that's okay. If you're looking for a unique, cool product with a collectible twist, then Ultimate Masters might be up your alley. It just kind of seems like a weird... I, I don't know. That, 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 that phrasing just kind of stuck out to me, I guess. We, yeah, it we is understand you might not want to buy it. That's okay if you don't want to give us all your money. You know, I think they're probably trying to placate the general user base by also appealing to the whales. They're like, we know there are people that will waste all their money on this. They will bust that card out and start swiping away. And we love you. But we also <laughs> we also don't want to piss off everyone that loves our game. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like, you don't have to buy our expensive cards. You can buy the regular version of Liliana the Veil. Yeah, yeah, I guess yeah. so. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how that would make me feel as a new player getting into the game, seeing this uh, yeah. product on the shelf at three hundred and some dollars, and you know, uh, it being this elite when, product. And I, I don't know if it would really. It might turn me off of the game entirely. To be I honest, I think that's a fair point. I, I yeah. think that that sort of produces like a. Uh, disresonance you know because you're sitting here thinking what you've heard is that it's expensive to play and now what you're seeing is holy god look at this elite product it's so expensive you know i 15 for 15 cards you know good grief there's no way i could play at a level that would be competitive or fun with everybody else who's been collecting the game for 10 years and right you right. know Absolutely. so I, you're right yeah. about that i think that's definitely would have some some off-putting uh Send out some off-putting vibes. I think you're 100 percent on that. Definitely be absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm sure whatever's going to happen, Wizards is going to make money. So we'll we'll definitely report <laughs> yeah. on the results. It's <laughs> funny because at yeah, at the end of every year is when they when they pop out these little surprises, you know, and it's always for the players, you know. I want to say, was it last year or no? Was it even the year before? They reprinted or they released a second wave of Eternal Masters and, mm-hmm. you know, they said, oh, it's because there was so much demand. And, you know, it, it always at the end of the year when Hasbro needs to turn in some decent numbers, they yep. will uh, come out with some end of the year product or surprise that uh, that just pushes them over the edge. And, that uh, makes sense. Yeah, I mean, that and, trend has uh, has. Uh, made itself plain over the last and, and like you guys mentioned before i mean they've got the artwork uh that's all taken care of it's just a question of just printing it all and print it you know package it and ready to go just print that money out yeah yeah i think so uh, we'll see but i uh, would anticipate they'll do something the same next year and then a year after probably year after. Mm-hmm. probably so. Supreme Masters. Supreme <laughs> Ultimate Masters. Supreme Ultimate Masters. <laughs> Two. <laughs> well, I think it's probably about time for us to move on to our uh, to our yeah, picks for the week here. here. Start uh, wrapping up here. I guess, uh, Travis, I think we'll give you the honors, man. Yeah, You're, go first, man. Uh, first uh, what, first what guest on the show should... ever. You deserve first yeah. pick. Number All right. guest. <laughs> awesome. Well, I have, I have two picks for the week. Um, okay. My first one is 
the new Teferi. I think that that's a card that is only going to increase in value. I think that's a, a Jace 2.0, if you will. Um, the, the newer sets that come out or are coming out seem to seem to be hitting at a lot more blue and white control. And I think that card is super strong and people like to play it. So I think he's only going to continue to climb. Um, the fairy hero of Dominaria. That's yeah, the one. From Dominaria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's single-handedly holding up those box prices. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, and my second pick is, is a much cheaper card. It's a common uh, fairy macabre. It's a, I, th- I believe it's two black and a colorless for a 2-2 flyer. Yep. You can discard it from your hand to exile two cards from a graveyard. Um, and it's a card that... You know, it, a lot of times hovers around the twenty or thirty cent mark. It it saw a spike at like four or five dollars at one point. Yeah. Um, and then it got reprinted Impressive. in one of the master sets, and then a couple other things. But, um, it's a card that if you look online trying to buy it, um, I mean, I like I said, I I play Pauper, and I was actually looking for some mm-hmm. the other day. It's it's not easy to come by. Um, it's a card that you can play in a lot of different decks, and it's kind of. It's not the easiest to interact with, um, and I think it's just a strong all-around card that, who knows, it may hit a couple dollar mark here in the future. Nice. It it's... looks like it's going for about eighty cents or so now. Okay. Nice. Yeah. And Tafari with the special uh, special effects, I think, have potential. You know, yeah. atypical abilities. Mm-hmm. And the fairies hovering around about fifty right now. So, what are your thoughts as far as so at at fifty at fifty clams the Teferi is not a cheap one. So, what are your thoughts about him uh, approaching rotation? When do you think you would buy him if you were if you were thinking I don't have any Teferis? You know, what are what are your thoughts as to timing and when to buy? Are you are you of the of the opinion that now is the time to buy him? Would you try to get him? You know, as he approaches rotation. Or as after rotation for for use in more eternal formats, what are your thoughts in that regard? Uh, personally, I I would wait until rotation unless he's already climbing, approaching that point. Um, you know, a lot of times you see this towards the end of rotation, the power cards will will climb a little bit towards the end and then take a big drop. But other ones, as they start to see more play in other formats, they'll start to climb drastically before yeah. rotation. Um, and I would I would start to buy them then. I don't I, I don't think you can go wrong waiting until after the rotation. I think there will always be a little dip then, but a lot of cards tend to recover from that dip pretty quickly. Yeah, I think that's about right. I, yep. I'm in the same opinion there. I, I think unless you need them to play standard with now, right? I, I right. would probably hold off until you know, four months prior to rotation, if I had to pick a time, you know, because that's when people start thinking, oh, I'm going to start getting rid of these while the price is good. And and you're right, because sometimes after rotation, they'll tick up if they're, if the demand is high. But right around rotation is, is I think, ideal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, especially if you can wait. If you can wait, you hold yeah. off. If you need wait. them to play with, you need them to play with. What are you going to do, you know? Unless you're uh, Scott, then you just uh, then you just up, make a, a fire up the printer and uh, <laughs> just, just do it out. <laughs> so you know that, that, that's a different animal entirely. <laughs> that's <a different> episode. <laughs> exactly. Oh, very good. Yeah, I like those pro- picks. The fairy's been uh, on the climb. I he mean, sure has. Steadily going up. Yeah, I think a lot of that is is uh, standard demand as well. So I think you probably could get a deal on him if you have 
the ability to be patient. Great card, though. Yeah. I think you're right about the blue-white, too. I think we need a resurgence. We haven't seen too many controly decks lately. There's been a lot of mid-range decks and, you mm-hmm. know, spurts of uh, sort of these aggressive aggro-style decks. We haven't really seen a good blue-white control deck. And, and I think... You know, it, it, it's it's funny because I think the Azorius is going to be coming out in the next set, too. So we'll, yep. it'll be curious to see. Watch him climb even more. Watch me eat my words and think, damn, at 50 bucks, that Teferi was a deal. Now he's 72. <laughs> yeah. You <know>? So, <laughs> so it, may, uh, it may surprise me. But, um, yeah, it's interesting. Very good. So how about you, Andy? What have you got as a pick? Uh, for the I got. Uh, I'll do two real quick ones here. First, um, from uh, Ixalan, uh, Unclaimed Territory. This was a, a land, an uncommon land. Uh, as it comes into enters the battlefield, choose a creature type, and you can add uh, a colorless to your mana pool, and then you can add one mana of any color to your mana pool. Spend this mana only to cast a creature spell of the chosen type. This one's kind of gone up and down. It's hovering around 160 or so right now. Um, I could see this easily going back up to $2, $3, $4 maybe over over time. Um, you know, something like this that mana fixing for a tribe, basically. So, yeah. you know, whatever you're playing, it doesn't matter. Uh, merfolks, yeah. goblins uh dragons whatever uh pick that creature type and you can throw that in this deck in that deck uh, i think it's pretty it's got nice. a high utility like that i mean it we does. saw mm-hmm. what was it eldrazi temple uh was a big one uh, yeah. uh cavern of souls all these other ones that have you know specific for a car for a creature type you know those have all done well and and um you know this one we saw recently the ancient ziggurat that jumped high in price uh, I sold all of mine when that spiked. Yeah, um, did, did, you know, did as well. I, I could see this one easily jumping up. Um, yeah. Got a high utility. I think I think it's not a bad pick, especially in light of the fact that it's from a much maligned set. You know, really, people hated the Ixalan, hated the rivals. You know, you know, it, it came. It was like the first the first block after the printing of lottery cards. Yeah. You know, after the Amonkhet lottery cards. So the I think people had a lot of wallet fatigue. I don't think people really bought a lot of Ixalan or the Rivals. And um, I think that will actually help the price of those uncommon cards in those two sets that are decent. So, you know, it hasn't... It, it Just the supply is not as high as it is in some of the other sets. So, And it's got that kitchen table appeal, you know. Yeah, absolutely. People want this in there. They want this in there. Every commander deck wants this that run, runs creatures. Most creature, most any tribal deck wants this. And yep. tribal play is hugely popular, you know, for casuals. You know, I mean, how many how many tribal decks do you have? I probably have 30. I, I, I couldn't, yeah, I, I've lost <laughs> you know? count. I have a, it's a whole bunch. Yeah, at least 30. Yeah, and this could go in any one of those. Yeah. Or I like it a lot. Yeah, yeah, very good. Great, great card, great card. And another one, other card, really quick. Um, I was just looking at this the other day. Uh, Silent Gravestone from uh, Rivals of Ixalan. Uh, it's going for let's see, about sixty-four cents or so now. Um, I, you know, I could see this going up. You know, maybe two dollars somewhere around there. It's just another one of those things that it, it has a very kind of specific effect. 
and maybe in a sideboard or something that you you play put this in. Um, it's an artifact, one mana. Uh, cards in graveyards can't be the targets of spells or abilities, uh, and you can exile it to exile Silent Gravestone and all cards from all graveyards. Draw a card. Yeah, it's nice. <sighs> it, it is. It's good, good sideboard. Good yeah. sideboard tech for for certain for certain against certain decks. Yeah. Anything anything that has graveyard hate that you can easily sideboard in because it's one mana is is going to see play somewhere. And colorless, so I think yep, you're exactly colorless. right. Yeah, so yeah, I think that's yeah. It's got a lot of potential. It's gonna go up. Yeah, yeah. So My, uh, have, uh, I have uh, one card for this week, and then I have a review of uh, I believe one of my picks from the very first episode. So my uh, my pick for the week is uh, a card that's been uh, reprinted a couple of times. It originally was a Mirrodin card. It has since been reprinted in uh, Eternal Masters and uh, Arch Enemy, and um, most recently in Commander 2018. The Commander 2018 reprint is the one that has tanked the price to its lowest, its all-time low. This card is called Duplicant, and the Duplicant is not a low-casting cost card. It is a 6-mana, 2-4-creature, colorless artifact with imprint. It is essentially removal, and it says when the duplicate enters the battlefield, you may exile target non-token creature. So you basically exile any of your opponent's creatures, or technically even yours, and the duplicate essentially becomes a copy of that card with its power and toughness. The reason I like it is, uh, well, there's a couple of reasons. Number one, it's, again, a great kitchen table card, a great commander card. Even though it's six mana, it removes your enemy's creature and gives you their creature, and um, it goes in any deck. So um, it's it's typically around a $3 card. Its recent reprint has dropped it down to a dollar in Whoa. the last... Uh, wow. Yeah, it's a really good card for a buck even. And uh, I started looking at this a little bit earlier in the week, and it's actually crept up a little to a dollar and dollar and 18 cents. So I could see this card... Honestly, you know what? I think it could go to, like, again... Two to three bucks. I think that's yeah. reasonable. I think if I bought, you know, and I, I probably have three play sets of this, and you know, if I if it goes to three bucks, I'm starting to sell them as play sure. sets. So mm-hmm. that's my um, that's my pick of the week. Nice. My um, my uh, my review pick is actually one that I just wanted to kind of uh, revisit, and it was from the first uh, from the first I believe ever podcast, and it, it was. Um, wow. The uh, I know, right? ten weeks ago. It's, <laughs> ten a, it's our anniversary. Ago. If anniversary you were here, issue. Then you are awesome. So, <laughs> that's right. And this is one just to to give a price update because this one's actually doubled in price since that time. And it's the Soul of New Phyrexia. So oh, yeah. Soul of New Phyrexia. At the time, I think I bought about four playsets, four to six playsets of the Soul of New Phyrexia. I paid between forty and fifty cents for this guy. And um, now he's a buck, so a dollar is as cheap as he gets. So he's doubled in the past ten weeks. And um, even at a dollar, he's not bad, but he's not as screaming a deal as he was when he was fifty cents. So that's uh, that's about it for me for the week. I mean, you hear something like you say, "Oh, forty cents to a dollar." You're like, "Oh, that doesn't sound like a whole lot." But you think about it if you look at it in the percentage terms. I mean, basically more than doubled in price. So that that is significant. Yeah, and sometimes when you get these cheap cards, you buy a whole bunch of them. You know, I buy them in play sets. So, mm-hmm. you know, so it's like, okay, I bought them, you know, four of them for two bucks, and then I, you know, 
I sell four of them for four bucks. Although honestly, I haven't sold any, and I probably would wait until I reached about. I'd wait until they reached about a dollar eighty. But you know. Yeah. So, but you're right. Percentage-wise, percents are what matter. Exactly. Exactly. That's that's a huge huge markup right there. Yeah. So I think. Uh, I think uh, Travis, we got to thank you for coming on, man. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Appreciate it. You know, of course, that since you're our first guest, we're gonna have to have you back in, you know, some future episode. uh, That would be great. To mark your return. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Yeah. You know, maybe in a maybe in a while we can revisit your picks and see how they've done. Absolutely. We'll put you. We'll put you on the spot. All right. (laughs) That sounds good. Do you have? Well, I'll ask you one last hard question, Travis. What's Uh-oh. your favorite card? If you could pick one card. Oh man. My favorite card. Um, Sorry. This is so. Hard question. I mean, like I said, when you I was approaching from any any angle. When like I was really getting into the game, um, it was that Lorwyn block, and my favorite card uh, was Memory Plunder because I think that's oh. the card <laughs> that. Uh, Initially, I, I did not see, the, you know, the value in a card like that. And as I got better and better at the game, that card started seeing a lot of play in my decks. And that, that is always a card that, you know, playing Kitchen Table, playing EDH, whatever, when you drop that Memory Plunder, you know, it's it's a good feeling. It is great. Card. I want to say that was uh, one of my picks from episode it two. It was. Okay. It was. You, yeah. you did pick that one. Yeah. Forty cents for that bad boy. Yeah. What a deal. That's a steal. A deal. Yeah. It's a yeah. great card. And plus, it gives you the ability to cast spells that are not instant speed at instant speed. Oh, you know, yeah. when, when you drop out a huge sorcery at instant speed from somebody's graveyard, man, that's awesome. That's cool. so, yeah. Yeah, you're darn right. Shadowmore. Oh yeah. Good great stuff. stuff. Nice. Awesome. Sweet. Well, yeah. Thanks again, Travis, for uh, for joining yeah. us. We'll we'll definitely uh, have you back here uh, in the future. Uh, Anytime. Very good. Sweet. Sweet. And uh, I guess a few just reminders uh, as we as we close up here. Um, you know, always we we do have uh, videos on YouTube, so check us out on YouTube. Just look under MTG Profits. They're just uh, video versions of the podcast. But go ahead, check it out. Maybe you like to listen to YouTube instead. Um, Check us out on the web, too. The website is, is under development, but trust me, it's going to have lots of great stuff on it, stuff you're not going to see other places, and uh, some unique takes on some things. So that's just uh, www.mtgprofits.com. Uh, check it out. That's uh, on its way, and, and, and lots to come on that. Um, oh, and you know, before I forget, and like I was talking to you earlier, Dev, we, uh, we need to do our recap here on all the picks. So... Uh, Travis, I think it was uh, Fairy Macabre and Teferi. Uh, yes. Mamanara. And yes. I had uh, Unclaimed Territory and the Silent Gravestone. And, Dev, you wrapped things up. Uh, you had the Duplicant. Duplicate. And uh, we had a revisit yeah. to uh, Soul of New Phyrexia. Yeah, Phyrexia. mostly the Duplicant today at, yeah. a, at a dollar it would be my, uh, yeah. my, my purchase pick. Yep. Great. Great. Very good. Cool. You got anything else, Dev? No, no. I think that about does it. Sweet. And again, uh, yeah. Well, Wrap thanks, up episode uh, 10. thanks everybody. Yeah, for joining us, episode ten, number ten. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, well, that's more to come. So uh, stay tuned, and uh, may your picks always be profitable. Excellent. We'll see you guys later. Later. Okay. Bye. <laughs>